Alright folks, shalom and welcome to the Ishai Fleischer Show, broadcasting live from Judea to the world. You're a part of it wherever you are. Shalom and welcome to our anniversary, Maka Fleischer yes. and Ishai Happy Fleischer. anniversary. Happy anniversary That's to right. all. That's right, and Maka Fleischer, welcome to the show. Thank, Thank you so you much for much. joining us, and welcome to the Land of Israel Network. Um, and welcome to a post-nine days, post-three-weeks show, which we are done with the hard... Uh, and, and and dark part of the year for the Jewish people. And we are now in the second part of Av, which begins today, really, with Tubav. It kind of gets a little bit less in the tension with uh, after the 10th of Av. Uh, the 10th the of Av is still where the majority of the temple burnt. So it was a bad day. Right. It was a bad day. And and now Tubav is... is a bad day. Yeah, it was a really bad day. Yeah, it was a bad day. It was a bad day. I, 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 on Twitter... And it continues a, to be a bad day. It continues to be a bad day for the Jewish people. Although, calm down, Malka. Don't overdo it because, because, because Tisha B'Av has in it the hidden uh, a yesod, the hidden foundation of a happy day. Right. Okay, and it shall be a happy day. Right, it's like a little seed. With the help of God in our lifetime. Don't be addicted to, uh, uh, to, to mourning. Right. Okay, we gotta be. We gotta be. I'm addicted. not addicted to morning. We gotta be addicted to love. I think I could write a song like that. <laughs> Might as well face it, Isha. You're addicted to love. Okay, <laughs> so so we could definitely do something like that. Today is two Be'av Jewish Love Day. If two you will, is, is Tet the letters Tet and right, Bav. Right. It's not two. It's not T W O, and it's not like the num uh, the numeral two. It is Tet Vav, which is actually the fifteenth. The yeah. Ides. Of Av, if nice. you will. like it. Okay, and it is um, a famous story that the Jews, I love this one. this one. This is one of my favorites. The Jews in the desert, the men who were between 20 and 60, were uh, in, um, um, within the curse, the, the, the promise, the right. plague, that they will die in the desert for 40 years and will not enter the land of Israel. So every ninth of Av, which is the the the, the night that they d- got the punishment, the memorial of that night that they got the punishment, w- the night that they rejected the land of Israel was the ninth of Av. So every ninth of Av in those forty years, they would dig a hole together in the desert, and the men folk would lie down. Anybody who thought that they were within the uh, the that group age range. that age range, they would lie down. There and in the morning, that's rough. Some would that get must up. Have been horrible. Yeah. You know, Ishai. I, I wait. I didn't okay, finish. Sorry. Let me finish. Go. Some would. Some would get up, and some wouldn't. And those that wouldn't get up, they. That's it. That was their last uh, day on earth. But those who got up thought to themselves, "I have a reprieve of another year." Good, and so they kept doing this. In the fortieth year, a group of people that thought they were within the. Uh, within the range, would uh, lie down, and then everybody got up in the morning. So they were like, "Okay, uh, they they were like, maybe we made a mistake. Maybe it's not the ninth of Av. It's not like they had an Apple phone watch or right. something like that. They didn't know the exact date. Maybe so they were like, okay, they lie down again. Tenth, they got up. People got up. They were alive. They went again. They they dug their holes. They lie down the eleventh, in the twelfth, in the thirteenth. In the fourteenth, on the fourteenth night, when they when on the fifteenth they got up again. On the fifteenth they dug a hole, but guess what? When they got up, they saw that it was a full moon, and they knew for a fact 
that Tisha B'Av was, was, the ninth of Av was not on the full moon. Once they saw that full moon, the full moon of Tu B'Av, they knew that the curse had, uh, it was, was lifted and that, and that they were amongst the people who were going into the land of Israel. Right. So that's the essential. Wait, does that mean that some people got a free pass? No. Like? No, but they, they weren't sure, you know what I mean? Uh-huh. They weren't necessarily sure if they were within or without. They weren't, maybe weren't exactly sure of their age. I, I don't know. You know what I mean? It, th- there was a group of people that wasn't exactly sure. They were mm-hmm. on the cusp. And so they were, uh, they were libera- liberate, yeah. okay? And they, nice. were, they were liberated. And, and they were also, not only that, it meant, it meant that the curse was done. It meant that, that they were going into the land of Israel. It meant that, that there, there had been the end so of the that. The death is going to stop already. It's, right. it's uh, horrific. I can't imagine that scenario. Like, imagine that scenario. Yeah. In which people are, like, lying in their graves. Well, I love that story because it reminds me of the Holocaust. In a way. Uh, it's like, it's yeah. like, it's like there, there, there are many people that died, but then there are some people that survived. And then they heard the Russians or the Americans coming to liberate the camps. And it was like, okay, well, you know what I mean? And even people, some, some people died after that famously uh, from, from right. quick eating and stuff. But the, the, the bottom line is, is that there's, there's an expiation, there's an end. Right. And, there's, and there's other things, there's other stories that are associated with, with Tubav that have something to do with that. But essentially, at the end, it comes that it's a holiday of reconnection. Like one of the stories is that the people who fought the Romans in the, in the Bar Kokhba revolt were killed and they were the Romans did not allow them to be buried right. in, in, in the a, city in of Beitar, which is close by to here. And they were not allowed to be buried until the, until a year later. And when then they were given the right to they be were reburied. They were not just not reburied. They were just left in place where right. they fell. Right. And, and it was a horrible thing. And it was really painful, really painful for people to have. They were allowed to be buried. But the beauty was when they got to these bodies, they were still whole. They, they had not they decayed. They were not decayed. Now these may seem gruesome a little bit, right? Yes. <clears throat> but but the the under the 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 under under uh, what's the word undertone the, the 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 deep message here is that there's an end to a dark time <clears throat> and the beginning of a time of love, the beginning of a time of a return connection, um, um, of of kind of re re reconnecting right <clears throat> to something that had been ruptured beforehand. The last story is also a tough story, uh, which is that the uh, tribe of Benjamin, the Jewish people after the tribe of Benjamin had performed a, a bad act, had promised, the, made an oath that they wouldn't marry into the tribe of Benjamin. So, so that was a horrible situation. And then they realized that that was a bad oath. And they were like, how do we get around? How do we get around the oath? So basically, the women, uh, uh, would, the, the young maidens would gather in Shiloh and they danced around. And then the tribe of Benjamin was allowed to kind of, you know, make friends make with f- some of those ladies. Yeah, t- 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 take one of those ladies with, without. But basically, people misunderstand that story. It's no, not like meet they were, a girl and and right. and like make a shidduch. Right, but without the permission of the parents, therefore the parents wouldn't have to. Uh, uh, what do you call? But it? the parents let their girls go to this dance. They did exactly, but but it was but the, the, it was they, like they were, a sulcha. They were trying exactly. They were trying to get around the the oath. And anyway, that was also too bad. So. Tubeav has become an Israel. Now, the beauty about Tubeav is that, sadly, our beloved Israeli brothers and sisters uh, are oftentimes not aware of the Jewish calendar very much. That's a very painful thing for me personally. Um, but this is one of the days that Israelis know Tubeav, and it is indeed celebrated uh, every year. And you and I got married on Tubeav right. 18 years ago. Wow. In Hebron, 18 Yer to life. 18 to life. 
or or chai. Eighteen to life is our little joke, uh, but uh, <laughs> 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 uh, but we got married eighteen years ago. Speaking of to life, to life, to life, lechaim. Uh, we uh, got married during the second intifada, where the Jewish people, especially places like Hebron, were under grave attack, and uh, nobody was getting married there. We got married in Hebron. It really restarted the the idea of of Hebron marriage. And so I'm very proud like of that. weddings in Hebron. Yeah, I mean. Hebron, that's right. Uh, weddings at the tomb of the fathers and mothers in Hebron. And if you're considering getting married or having any other simcha, I highly recommend that post-corona that's right. we'll, we'll, get, we'll get back to normal weddings. Although there have been there weddings There have been weddings, Smachon. and it's actually a good place because there's a big, especially in the summertime, there's like a pretty big outdoor plaza so you can have tables and things and everything's outdoors. That's right. Um, um, and so... So that's too bad. It's it's a very important it's it's a very important day to get. It's important to get into it. And I want to give you an example. In Chevron, we sadly have another sad day coming up, which is the 18th of Av, which marks the 1929 riots oh, in which wow. 67 Jews were murdered. But I'm saying to them, guys, we got to bring that into the three weeks, mm. and like. Not like 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 we can do a, a small ceremony, but we can't. Right. Like, I think the three weeks are so heavy that it's like right. to come out and then to go right back in. Right. So I told them. I said to them. Hard. I said to them uh, ye- yesterday, Rabbi uh, Simcha Hachbaum, one of our great tour guides, and right. makes great videos and stuff. So he's like, okay, I'll make a video now for 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 Tarpat for 1929. I said to him, don't. I said to him, don't do it. Make a two video. Make a love video. Maka, I just want to tell you very much that. I want to tell you that I love you very much. I love you very much. And, uh, and thank you so much for getting married to me uh, 18 years ago in Hebron. It was very, very powerful. Uh, and um, may we continue. I can't wait to be on the show with you when we're celebrating our 36th wedding anniversary. Yes, amen. Uh, amen. Amen. Boy, I wonder what the world will look like then. Well, I'll tell you, the world keeps changing. Like yesterday, as you and I were heading to town to celebrate, right. we heard news that a horrific 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 explosion ripped through uh the port area of beirut right uh, which is a city in a the beautiful end. city it's 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 also a nearby city like right. pe- people like beirut's not far away okay uh and they they heard the explosion all the way out to cyprus some people say north of israel but the point is it was a horrible explosion and why don't you tell us about what transpired there what well uh, what i the... i'll tell you what they're reporting about right. what transpired there because right. as Per usual, here in the Middle East, nothing is a story. Like, you're not being realistic if you just, like, read a story and go, okay. Like, the, the something can always be different. But anyway, here is what they're saying. Um, as of now, over 100 people, and um, I'm sorry to say that I, my guess is that it will probably be a lot more than that. More than 100 people were killed and over 4,000 people injured in a... What what when we first saw it looked like a nuclear bomb had hit a building uh, right by the port in Beirut. Um, if you saw the pictures of it, the reason she says nuclear bomb is because there was clearly visible a shock wave. Yeah, there was like a mushroom cloud and a shock wave, right. and like it wasn't a classic mushroom cloud of a nuclear bomb. But it was it w- there was I don't definitely know. A cloud. it was mushroom shaped in its roundness right but, but and there was there was a ring of you can of see like the video of exploding out yeah shockwave there was it a was shockwave. unbelievable um, and the pictures the, the it's interesting because there's many videos coming out now of what's going on what happened in the street at the time it turns out that the Lebanese people on their beautiful 
seaside porches were like taking videos of what had seemed to be like a big fire that was happening at the and a lot of people ended up catching the explosion that occurred um because there was a fire first. There was a like, fire. Looked right. like fireworks also were kind of right. Sun- we're snappling okay. around in there. I will now. I will soon wait, reveal wait. to you what. Uh, what's oh, oh, you already got the conspiracy theory. I will soon reveal to you. What, okay, what, so what, let me what, just tell you what some of the facts uh, that that are being presented. Basically, they're saying that um, I forget what the what the chemical is. I think ammonium. Ammonium nitrate. Ammonium nitrate. Thank you. That a big, big, big supply, like like thousands, like twenty seven hundred tons of ammonium nitrate had been stored at this port. Right. That um, Lebanese officials in charge of the port had turned to authorities and asked them to like get rid of it or to secure it or something like that. It's stuff that's used in fertilizer. Right. And that they had asked to... And in bomb making. And in explosives, right? But okay, let's just say that it's used in fertilizer. And they had asked to, for help in um, like getting rid of or otherwise safetyifying this this stuff. And that the, the authorities had not helped right. um, in that regard. And then it exploded. But basically, some kind of fire started there. And then there was an explosion. The explosion occurred very close to a massive structure of grain silos. The thing cracked open and basically poured out 85% of all the grain in Lebanon. It turns out that Lebanon is not a place that like really grows its grain. Right. Um, as like America is such an amazing grain grower and there's some other countries who are so good at growing grain that today a lot of countries import from from these countries, including Israel. Israel R- grows grain, but it also does a lot R- of Russia, uh, importing. Russia and uh, the United States are the famous... Ah, okay, I didn't know it was Russia. So, um, like, a humongous amount of the country's, like, storehouses of grain has just been destroyed. But the officials are quick to say that they have enough for what they need immediately and that they'll just be importing some more grain. Um, also, basically, like... You, so you saw the video of this explosion and basically like the explosion just rippled back, destroying buildings, destroying um, all kinds of everything that was there, cars and everything. You see videos of people trying to like evacuate their loved ones on the roofs of their cars and stuff to hospitals. But the problem, one of the problems is that the hospitals, obviously, there's ho- many hospitals in Beirut. And those hospitals were immediately overrun. But moreover, a lot of them were actually damaged in the explosion. Mm. So the hospitals are lacking electricity. They're running on like generators. There's no blood to give anybody. Um, Reports are that they're doing like surgeries in the hallways and stuff. It's like it's real like wartime emergency field hospital stuff. Right. And it's it's very gruesome and it's very sad. All right, so let me tell you uh, what what uh, what Russian websites are reporting right now. They're okay. reporting the following: that a few years ago, a Ukrainian businessman was 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 bringing a shipment of this ammonium nitrate uh, from either to Djibouti or from Djibouti, mm-hmm. and and uh, and and he had a boat problem, and they stopped at the at the port of Beirut, and they found that he himself had all kinds of legal issues. With he this was stuff? wanted. No, just in general, oh. he was wanted for other things. In any case. He left the cargo there, escaped to, to Cyprus, and they stored this cargo in, in that building of this ammonium nitrate. Right. Above it, they started storing also some fireworks. Oh, bad move. Bad combo. 
Now, yet a third bad thing that happened, and you could there was there was these steel workers. They found some kind of hole uh, in the uh, in the fence surrounding the complex. They came to started to do some kind of steel work there oh. without checking what's in, what's in the building. Anyway, sparks flew literally and hit the fire hit fireworks. the fire for fireworks. And you could see that there's like a fireworks thing in the wow. beginning. The fireworks then set off this ammonium nitrate. Um, now the reason I say this is because. Other conspiracy theorists would like to say that, like so Israel or something like that, would do this. I, I said you could it, uh, see it immediately. Yeah, you, you could see it immediately from the bomb that it wasn't Israel. Right, but the, well, there's a lot of tensions right now with Israel and the and the north. There's uh, there's been some uh, 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 Hezbollah operatives that were killed in the last few days trying to infiltrate Israel and plant bombs. Uh, so there's a lot of tension, but this had nothing to do with it, and it's obvious. The reason you could you, you're saying what you're saying is because Everybody knows Israel or even the United States or any other actor who would be willing to, you know, hit. Let's say we were targeting targets right. inside Beirut. Right. Like, like nobody's going to allow for a huge building to explode with so much so-called collateral It's just not damage. how we do it. Right. It's not that's how, not we, how do we do stuff. We do targeted strikes for better or for worse. Right. But that's how we do it because yeah. we're always concerned so with this, the this loss was, of this, innocent life. This was a horrible accident, uh, it, it seems, of course. Right, uh, but what's in a what's series sad? of like horrible things that are happening in yeah, Lebanon today? Yeah, Lebanon. Uh, it's getting it's getting altered. And 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 one long time ago, my 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 friend and one of my mentors, Jeremy Gimpel, uh told me uh, he he came up. He said, he said, um, "Land for peace. You give us our land, and and we'll give you peace. Right? Like let us control Lebanon." And we'll bring a more peaceful let Israel, you know, in all the prophecies and all the prophecies, including uh, including the original boundaries and including in uh, Ezekiel's prophecies, Israel goes more north than it is today. And I say that, uh, you know, who knows? Who knows what's being said? I'm just saying there. economic problems out there. We have Hezbollah. We have bad things. We can help. Uh, we can help. Uh, you know, like, for example, t- take it more political science. So you see how Chinese. Are are now today taking over different ports all over right. the world? They're managing it. I'm saying, let us manage Lebanon. We'll manage Lebanon. We'll, we'll help us. You know, Israel will manage Lebanon. It'll be it'll be further up north, and and we'll you know it's such an important seaside area right. all the way up to Damascus. Well, we used to have fingers in in Lebanon. Well, yeah, but we never we never asserted any kind of claim or sovereignty over it. And, and I, I'm not. I'm not. Israel can barely assert sovereignty over the stuff that it should have no problem asserting I sovereignty over. I don't know you. how we're going to start asserting sovereignty over Lebanon. I agree with you. I agree with you. I'm just throwing it out there that in this process where Lebanon has really from the 70s, it used to be a wonderful town. Beirut used to be a wonderful, wonderful town. I mean, town. It, you can see from before this explosion that it looks like a lovely, from above anyway, yeah. it looks like a lovely place with these big, tall skyscraper apartment buildings and beautiful ocean and. You know, lots of industry happening. My point is, Hezbollah's bad. The economy is bad. bad. Explosions, mismanagement. Israel offered, by the way, humanitarian support to Lebanon after this explosion. And no one's saying what what has happened as a result. Er, the, The reports indicate that Lebanon will probably turn down the support. But my guess is what that means is that Lebanon will totally take the support, but just no one's going to talk about it. Right. And I think you're right. I think you're exactly right about that. Uh, speaking so of, anyway, um, but I do want to, of course, wish uh, my yes. my sincere condolences to um, the thousands of innocent people living in Beirut who just wanted to 
go to work and drink their coffee and are now stuck in a in a just unthinkable situation and we're not even talking Ishai, about the homelessness or the the loss of business the the country has been going through like a real economic downturn and the loss of their currency the drop in their currency and uh, you know syrian kind of insertion of itself into lebanon all the time and uh, russia also and it's just a country which has been slipping and slipping and slipping i'm saying and now it's now you know there's there's with the coronavirus on top of everything it's like people have lost their jobs and their livelihoods and it's just it's such a blow i agree Uh, first thing i want to second your your uh i want to second what you just voiced which is uh really praying for the health of of the people of beirut and lebanon in general uh, but but I, I, I just want to add to that, which is like Israel does not have a consciousness of being a bigger player around. Right. Here. And, and I'm trying to help that consciousness. Right. It grow. stays. It keeps itself small and meek. Right. It's just it, it kind of just because I think a, it's so concerned also all the time, Yishai, with this like image that has been imposed upon it as like an aggressor. That's like a hungry, you know, a, a Jewish uh, greedy country that you know has chinese people have no jews there because no jews living in china other than than businessmen in shanghai or the old jews in china is is really formidable and so people do not want to mess with china and incidentally there's plenty of people i like that word formidable i like these words see formidable fierce you don't want to be formidable the way china's formidable no but i like the word formidable it's an attitude. It's an attitude. I, I, you know what I mean? It's an attitude. I, I think that China has a lot of self... You may not like what they do. I don't no. like necessarily what they do, but, but and I don't like a lot of things that they do, but I like, I like the attitude of we want to we wanna be big. We want to be strong. I don't... <laughs> I don't like the attitude of China. Um, and, and, you know, I'm saying that as a real outsider. China's outside my wheelhouse, but he, I will he, say that, like... I, we're not even remotely close to there, so this is such a philosophical conversation. But I like I don't like Israel uh, shouldn't be like China. Okay, but I'm saying like this. I, I, I you see when you, when you make these comparisons, immediately the way we think in 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 the kind of Trumpian era that we live in, where everything is like insta, like angry. Right. Insta, I'm saying controversy. Yeah, and, and still like I'm not. I can't do that. Can't You're, you to said that. that. You're you, a you this. Said you could compare you to China. I'm saying, look, Israel is a regional power. Right. It's the most important military and economic power in the region. Right. Today. And it's a good guy. Right. And it's a good guy. And more of our, a bi- I said this to people, people don't get what I'm saying. A bigger Israel means more rights for more people, more safety for more people, more prosperity That's for true. more people. That's what it means. That is absolutely true. And I'm true. saying a bigger Israel is the way to think about things. And I don't right. mean a land-grabbing Israel. I mean a more a, 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 a bigger player in this region right. that helps set things a little bit straighter, gives people more rights, more hospitals, more roads. Right. If they're... If- Syria's already in there and Russia's already in there. So it's a country that likes like a, a host to come right. and or it likes to host like a country who will come and, and direct it. That's right. And I'm saying let us help manage more of the area that's anyway Eretz Israel. <laughs> Let's just be real about right. things. It is. And I don't mean like it is the biblical of, land of Israel. It is. It absolutely is. And so and so, you know, Tripoli, and it's more north, which pe- means probably more temperate climate. Exactly. See, I knew you were going to go there. You know, I like me you, some that's snow. Right. You, Malka likes a little bit of a cooler temperature. Yep. And, I, and I respect that. I was looking recently and I'm, I haven't I haven't explored it deeply yet. If anybody wants to to write to me about this and, and talk to me if they have a deep knowledge about it or send me a video or anything or, or, or any writing about it, which is Ezekiel's prophecy. Now, Ezekiel 
Yechezkel has got some stuff in there that is unusual. Okay, it is not exactly in line with everything that you know and you think you know. Okay, this, okay. this the 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 boundaries of Eretz Israel according to Yechezkel are different. Really? Things are different. Yeah, things are different. And I've like somebody showed this to me, and I've become very intrigued by it. And I want to learn more about it. I really do. I want to understand. He has a different third Beit Hamikdash. Looks very different. Then the first and second Beit Hamikdash. He's got cool stuff. I don't know enough about it. I will get. It. I would love to learn more about it. That's, that's one of the things I'd like to do in this in this period, the the Corona time. Uh, but any case, one thing is for sure I can tell you is that it's f- way further north. It's got a, we, we, what is further north? The la- the, sta- the, the, uh, the 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 borders of Israel. The borders of the Ezekiel. of the so-called is, with quote unquote state of Israel. You know this because the Ezekiel vision is pre-statish exactly. Although one could argue that the Davidic dynasty is indeed a, a, just a, a regular border state, like we understand it today, a Westphalian state. Anyway, uh, not important. Let's get to just one more point. I think the dovetails very nicely with what we're talking about right now. You've engaged uh, in Twitter recently right. uh, with people. You've been trying to explain to one gentleman who's behaving nicely on Twitter, which yes. is which, which is, is such, such a, a joy, which is a rarity. Yeah, it's you know like I mean? it's a it's a fun to like. A lot of people get on Twitter to discuss. A- actually, I, you and I were on Twitter yesterday, and we sang. We were at the Shuk, the Shuk Machane Yehuda, the famous outdoor market in Jerusalem, and you and I uh, were going out for our anniversary. We went to the famous, awesome restaurant called Hatch. Yes, where we had froze and unspeakably large, delicious meats. Okay, including a way oversized corn dog mm. and. And corn, a uh, absurdly mustard. yummy, meaty corn corn beef sandwich. <laughs> that we Isha, had. You seem to be I, drooling. I salivated just a tad there. Uh, sorry. Excuse me. I know that's not very radiophonic. <laughs> um, but uh, while we were there, uh, there was music playing. And we heard that famous Jewish artist playing that famous Jewish song. Yeah. Stevie Wonder. Not quite. Uh, playing. Uh, famous, yes. Famous, yes. Jewish, that's right, not, not as much. Yeah. But Stevie Wonder. But still awesome. You know, uh, and Stevie Wonder, God bless him, uh, uh, who has great songs, but his famous song, I just called to say, I love you. <laughs> right? And so we, we put out a funny video on Twitter. We put Twitter. out a funny video on Twitter and we really were singing it in the show. Yeah. That was a lot of fun. It's doing pretty well. Yeah. I just called. To say how much I care. <laughs> okay, so that was really fun. But you are on on more uh, a dis- a serious Twitter. You have been discussing with a gentleman who is uh, behaving decently in his verbiage, right? And Which, by about the way, is as they say in his, in Hebrew, "lo muvan me love," right. not like should be taken, taken for, for granted, granted on right. the Twitter platform. All right, so go ahead. I, I want to finish this up in, in three minutes. Keep uh, okay. Keep so shirts. basically, uh, we just had a conversation. Uh, basically, he saw our video and he said, "I'm against the settlements, but I would like to hear why Malka Fleischer and Ishai Fleischer support them from their point of view." And then I was just very happy that he like said it in such an open it, way because it's unbelievable how people will treat you. They'll call you like an idiot, an occupier, stupid, racist out of nowhere. Right. Yeah. People you've never met who like don't know almost anything about you at all, including right. your views. So so it's nice to not be treated like that. Um, and then he asked what I think the solution is. To the conflict is where my personal values stem from. Um, and I started to talk about a little bit kind of what you were alluding to, Ishai, which is that us like being weak, Israel being weak, 
is not doing anyone any favors in this region, us or the Palestinians or anybody else. Mm-hmm. Uh, and that it's bad energy, I told him, for Jews to carve up our special land. Right. Uh, but that I do believe that Israel can be a place with upward mobility for all people who live here, including citizens and residents. Mm-hmm. So then he said, what would happen to Palestinians who live in Judea and Samaria? Right. And I said, that's a good question. And I said that I think that really the first step is to just say out loud that this is our land. Right. And once you say out loud, this is our land, then you allow the other side, if you will, to like react to that and to say what they think. Because right now we haven't said anything almost like we're like we might apply sovereignty, but like it's all very amorphous. But let's say like we're taking this land. This is our land. And now what do you guys think? Right. And then things will become a little bit clearer. So then he was talking to me about residency versus citizenship. And uh, basically, he wants to know what everyone wants to know, which is, are we making Palestinians full citizens? So I said to him, did you know that they had a citizenship? Because he's like, they're disenfranchised, right? They can't be people with no country. So I'm like, did you know that they had citizenship once in Jordan? Jordan had given them citizenship. Some of them were originally Jordanian and had citizenship. And that it was revoked by King Hussein. 1988. In 1988. And that is what caused their disenfranchisement. Mm -hmm. So if you want to undisenfranchise these people, just revert them back to their previous state, which is Jordanian citizens. So he's like, but what if Jordan won't do that? So I'm like, well, what do you mean if Jordan won't do that? Then I have to do that? Like, because they stuck them here for us to deal with. So then it is now my obligation to deal with them. When I say stuck them here, I'm not trying to minimize the real truth that there are real people who want to live real lives and like want to raise their families. I'm not, I'm not trying to chattelize them or anything like that. Uh, I, I recognize that these are real people anyway. So I'm like, if Jordan dispossessed them, it's Jordan's job to make them undispossessed again. Right. It's not Israel's job. And if Jordan fails to do its job, then it's just part of the same old thing where the Arab world, including Jordan, uses these people to weaken Israel and ultimately destroy it. He says he disagrees with me, basically. And he says the burden is on Israel because we'll be the ones controlling the land that Jordan used to control the land. And that's why they had citizenship. And now that Jordan took away their their. Uh, citizenship and we're going to control the land then we have to give them citizenship and i said we don't owe them that meaning to say like yet again it's like just another way of you placing the responsibility on us these are people who were jordanians a lot of them came in by the way there were there were people who were living farther into what is today called jordan and they came out to settle this new space we could do what the arab lands did which is just say you're you're out of here right but because we're very very nice and we don't feel like doing stuff like that. If you want, what you could do is you could stay and not even have to go, but you keep being a Jordanian. So he still didn't like that. And I'm like, well, what if you leave your You made a you gave a parable. Yeah, I gave a I gave a metaphor. Okay? And it is just a metaphor. All right. And I said, if you leave your child on my doorstep and walk away, who is responsible for this child? You are, right? You had a kid you 
left it at my house, and then you walked away. It is not my job. Now, I am a good person, so I'm, of course, going to, like, take in this baby, and I'm going to feed it and make sure it has its basic needs, right? But, like, I didn't do the crime. You did the crime. And just because you abandoned your child at my house does not make me the new legal guardian of this child. I'm not infantilizing the the Palestinians, okay? Like, he kind of wanted to accuse me. But the point is that that I find that, and he's like, well, but they don't identify as Jordanians. They identify as Palestinians. I'm like, why is everyone always so concerned with how they self-identify? But no one ever asks us how we self-identify. Right. No one ever says, like, what do you guys want? Right. Like, what are your goals that we have right. to ensure, like, get met? That's, that's a great parable, Malka. I really like that a lot. I just want to add one tiny thing, which is enfranchisement. That whole language is such a Western language. Literally, there is not one Arab country where Arabs have a vote or a vote that counts. They have some places they have a vote, but it's it's totally it's right, a totally yeah. So like in the twenty two Arab countries, it just doesn't work that way. It just does not work that way in terms of enfranchisement. It just doesn't work that way. It works in terms of strong men and 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 military leaders and 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 and, and uh, controlling um, factions or controlling. Um, tribes and tribesmen and elders and all kinds of other systems, but it doesn't have any enfranchisement. I, mean, I guess there is some democracy that happens. There is a system of governance, right, of making your voice heard. Right. But but it's not what it, you understand. What as you like, get may not be right. It's not what because you ask it's for. not because the state gives you the right to vote as a citizen and all right. These and Western it's like all this like Greco right. democratic it, system where it's like everything is exactly how you vote, which is for. fine. But like sometimes I find that the myopic way that people understand the world that they think that it's all one system there's only one system by which people rule themselves it's just not like that and so i think people should should a, a little bit expand their horizons maka fleischer i want to wish you a a fabulous uh Av samach you too Yishai mazal tov i feel i feel the tubavness i feel it I'm thank hashem it. we got married Baruch hashem. and i want to you know May all the jewish people be happily married yeah, yeah. and all the non-jewish people too yeah absolutely and i want to wish people uh 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 Good coupling, good, good success with 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 having and raising children, and and uh, I know that there's a lot of challenges out there, and a lot of us, we all have our, every one of us has our pekalach, as we say in Jewish. Okay, we have our pekalach. I just want to bless everybody out there with with uh, success, and 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 today is a day to overcome all of those. As I told you, those stories, none of those stories of Tuba were like, yay! It's not like they're all like, ouch. There's like an ouch element in the stories of like what is Tubav. It's like well, but today if you walk around in Jerusalem, Mishai, for Tubav, you see simple, sweet, happy. Yes, and all that celebrations and all of, that of is love. after two thousand years right. of exile, of destruction, of persecution, of Holocaust, <coughs> of seeing our beloved Jerusalem in ruins and on fire, and today. Too bad is something different, right? Okay, but th- but that it, it's all it's all wrapped up in what this day is really about. And I just want to bless everybody with all that. Oh, I also want to say before we go, Malka, a lot of people have written to me about the Aliyah Revolution CD. Oh, have which, they? <laughs> a lot of people, and uh, people are really excited about Whoa. it. So I just want to say to everybody, uh, if you're interested in the Aliyah Revolution CD, uh, write me an email, Yishai at yishaifleischer.com or Yishai at the Land of uh, and uh, and we'll start the conversation. We'll get you CDs. We have found the treasure trove. I talked about it last week. A 500 
old school, awesome. I mean, they, I'm telling you, it's one of the greatest CDs ever made, really. <laughs> I, but but like, you don't understand the artwork, the 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 music, the bands. Well, we uh, put a lot of love into it. We put a lot of love into it. It is something so special. So if you have a chance right now <clears throat> to get the Ali Revolution CD, you will be very very uh, uh, very very uh, lucky. So please write me an email. Uh, Yishai, Yishaifleischer.com, Yishai at the land of Israel.com, Yishai at Hebron.com if you want. No, okay? don't start messing them no, up. I'm just telling you, I'm, I have different hands. Different right. hands. If you, if you know me as the Hebron hand, Bavakasha. Uh, Yishai Fleischer, Bavakasha, land of Israel, Bavakasha. We have, we have ways of, of we, we can communicate on any way which you want, okay? Uh, I self identify so as all of those. In any case, uh, lots of blessings from the land of blessings. More great stuff. Rabbi Mike is next, so stay tuned. Malka Fleischer. Shabbat shalom, mazal tov, and happy to bow. Bye. Hey everybody, this is Jeremy Gimpel. Have you heard about the Land of Israel Fellowship? We started about one month ago, and people from all over the world, 24 countries, have joined. We meet live every Sunday, and the video session is recorded and then broadcast to all the members. And it's an exclusive group. It's a group that's focused on learning, we're focused on praying together. We're focused on growing together. And it has been one of the biggest blessings in my life. And we have people from New Zealand to Australia, Alaska, Hawaii, Hong Kong, Jews, Christians. We have a Buddhist. We have one Muslim that's joined. We have people from so many different backgrounds, languages, and cultures. And we are literally creating a virtual house of prayer for all nations. And it is truly marvelous. And so if you want more information about that, Please visit www.thelandofisrael.com slash fellowship. And I would love to see you next Sunday. All right, everybody. Shalom and welcome to the Shai Fleischer Show. Uh, live right now on Facebook, YouTube, and on our podcast, which is the Yishai Fleischer Show on the Land of Israel Network, uh, and uh, throughout all the normative channels that you can find your podcast in. Shalom and welcome. This is part two of the uh, podcast, uh, which Malka Fleischer was on first, and we are joined today by our beloved Rabbi Mike Foyer. Rav Mike, shalom and welcome to the program. Oh, shalom Yishai. It's good to see you. It's great to see you, and it's fun to be live with you. Um, because because we are actually post the nine days, post the three weeks, and we're right now celebrating a very important day, which is Tubav. That's right. Uh, which is Jewish Love Day, or maybe maybe Unity Day. What did you want to call? It? I was going to say Unity Jewish Un- Jewish Unity Day. Mm. Yeah, I mean that's really if you look at the sources in the Gemara, what this day is about in terms of the tribes being able to marry each other once again after the sort of declaration in the desert that women had to stick with their tribes that they inherited uh, in terms of removing the barriers between, um, you know, the Northern kingdom and Jerusalem, even in, in terms of bringing the tribe of Benjamin back in. I mean, you know, the stories and we can keep going. They all have an element of unity, even the end of the decree against the generation of the wilderness in its own ways is an expression of Jewish unity because it meant that Kolaum Kulo, Omed Chaimayom, right? That everybody who's here now is alive. We're doing this together. There's nobody here who isn't part of the story any longer. Well, let's let's focus on two of those. First is is reunification that you talked about, and there was it was an evil king, an evil king of Israel. His name was Yeravam Ben Navat or Jeroboam, Jeroboam. Uh, guy who, 
Jeroboam, a guy whose English name was better than his Hebrew name, Jeroboam. Yeah, and, uh, <laughs> come on, it's a great name, Jeroboam. Okay, uh, and and Jeroboam, your of Am, uh, was a very powerful king, and one of the things that he um, set out to do was to actually create an alternative, alternative religion, uh, what I call well, uh, an internal alternative point of pilgrimage, but it was definitely well, more than that. Halo. Yisrael. I mean, he was saying these are your gods, Israel, in the same way that uh, was said about the calf in the wilderness. I mean, it was well, but, but that's but that's exactly the p- most powerful kind of alternative religion, which says I'm not an alternative religion. I am the same old. We hear that all the time. He he set up two calves, two golden calves, one in Betel, one in Dan, serving a golden calf and calling that Judaism is not Judaism. It's what I call hashtag hashtag my Judaism. Which I hear is a, it, but I, it, it, I you're you're hitting my pet peeve. There was no Judaism. There were no Jews. It was Am Yisrael. There was the Middash. And we had a, and we had a covenant with, with, with a Kaddish Baruch Hu, Right? And and so, like, what's happening here was not a good thing. It was idolatry. It was a chet gadol. But it's I don't like the word religion in this context. It's an inaccurate. Do you, do you agree with me that it was not the covenantal way to serve the God of Israel as is set down in the Torah, Jeroboam may have called it a Judaism, but it was not the, the the way that it was supposed to be, right? Yes, and it's very different if you look into the Book of Kings than what happened under Ahav, when when the Baal began to supplant the God of Israel. It's actually a, an important relationship there, which you know, if you read, which I think you have, our books on uh, you know the, the Age of Prophecy series, the, the Lamp of Darkness, goes into this, as does the key of ring quite extensively, that, that there is a difference between telling Am Yisrael, you're still worshiping the God who brought you out of Egypt, you're just doing it here as opposed to Jerusalem, which opens the gateway for it. Now, here's a new God. We call him Baal, the storm God. But that's what happens when you start to create an alternative. It, 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 things start to seep in. Once you break down the barriers, you're not really worshiping the God of Israel as will, uh, as was prescri- proscribed. Uh, prescribed, proscribed, no, prescribed. As was directed, commanded. Uh, as goes commanded. Uh, proscribed is actually the opposite of prescribed, right? Yeah, this um, would be prescribed. Right, prescribed. Yeah, that's right. So, so, so he he Jeroboam starts that process. Now, one of the one of the things that he does uh, is that he not only does he create an alternative to Jerusalem. Uh, to the the not only does he create different holidays, not only does he create a different temple in these two places, one in Betel where the dream of the ladder took place, and one in Dan, a very beautiful place on the water on, on the rivulets, also uh, a poor place of idolatrous worship, right? A, a, a cultic site. Uh, he also he also realizes that that's not enough to create an alternative. You also have to have a push and pull, or in this case, a push and block, which is I will block you. From um, from getting to Jerusalem by setting up barriers, either physical barriers or people guards on the way, you won't. You will be deprived of of that way of worship and that connectivity. And once you're deprived long enough, and I give you an alternative, you'll you'll come over to this side. You know, there's a real message I think for the world in which we live today, which is that your Avam was pushed to this. Remember, he was appointed by God. It's important to note that as much as he became a tremendous source of sin in Am Yisrael, he was anointed by the Navi Achia Shiloni. He was chosen by God to to do to take the ten northern tribes and make his own kingdom. Where he went wrong was his ego, 
And the Midrash says that when, when God invited him, he said, come walk with me and David, King David. In the in Garden of Eden, you remember what Yeravam's answer was? Not about, if he's not if he's in front. Right. Who's the, right. Who gets to go first? And right. this is such an important message for us today is that is that our leadership has lost sight of the fact that unifying Am Yisrael is the greatest source of strength that we have. Instead, now it's about me Berosh, who's gonna be in charge and what what segment, what sector of our society can I incite and excite and et cetera to get behind me to gain the power I want. It's 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 tragic and it's leading literally to sin, if not on the scale of the calf of Don and Besheva, or sorry, Don and uh, Bethel, like it, it certainly ain't good what's happening. Okay. Uh, I like that you're taking it to a political place and I will take it to a more spiritual place vis-a-vis COVID, COVID-19. There are blame times... Calf. What's that? What's, what'd you say? I missed that? I said blame COVID on the calf. I could see blame. that. Like a well, I was, I was going to say that there are times where people are stopped from coming to Jerusalem for one reason or another. There's a blockage out there. Uh, it's a, it's a, it's a, uh, you know, uh, uh, it's a type of cholesterol that, that blocks your, your blood flow. You're not coming into, to your shalim. And when that gets removed and you can come back to your shalim, then you understand how much you needed it, how much, uh, how much you missed it, how much it was important and that's what Tubav is partially about, which is that blockage of idolatry, of bad ideas, of alternatives uh, was, was there. And today, uh, Jews all over the world and also people who love Israel uh, from all over the world right now, there's a lot of people that are writing to me on Facebook, uh, including Andrea, who is trying to marry an Israeli guy. She's asking today on, on Tubav uh, to get to, she says, I got to get home. Uh, and other people as well on the Facebook page, they're they're blocked from coming to the land of Israel right now, and they're asking for a tubav. They're asking for a way to to reconnect with that land again, with Jerusalem again. Uh, so that's that's one narrative of, of tubav. And uh, another one that you, which other one did you did you mention that I wanted to talk about? Benjamin, the tribes, or the Dora Mitbach, the generation of the wilderness. Right, the generation of, uh, we talked about this with Maka Fleischer, which is the generation of the desert. They stopped dying on this day. They realized that, that, the, that the curse was lifted. That, that the, details. You guys give the details in the earlier one? I mean, it's Yeah, we talked, about, we talked about how the... Graves every night and... Right, so let, let's just describe it for the audience. So you, you have these, these Jews who thought that they were within the um, age range of the 20 to 60-year-olds who were uh, supposed to die in the desert and not enter the land of Israel. On the 9th of Av, which commemorated uh, that night, which they cried and rejected the land of Israel, that night they would die every single year of the 38 years that were remaining. Uh, They dug holes for themselves and would lie down in them. They would lie down in their holes. And then in the morning, some of them would get up and some of them wouldn't. And those that got up knew that they had yet another year of reprieve. Uh, maybe they could pray more, be with their family more, reconnect, but maybe they would die next, the next year after that. And they kept doing that until the final 40th year, which they lie down on the 9th of Av, and lo and behold, they got up. Uh, and they, they said, what's that? Every single one of them got up. And they thought to themselves, well, we must have done the math wrong. Remember, they didn't have uh, the, the same kind of uh, calculations that we have today. And you, they, you they tell me the ninth and the tenth day of the month just from looking at the moon. <laughs> you, yeah, you can't really exactly tell. Uh, and in any case, uh, they kept lying down on the tenth, eleventh, twelfth, thirteenth, fourteenth. But on the fifteenth, on Tuba of the fifteenth of Av, they saw the full moon. Right. 
they saw that full moon uh, and they uh, and they knew that it was over. That the shall we say the curse was lifted. The um, they were within the was yeah revoked. It was revoked or 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 the, the time set um, that's it was completed. And and therefore also all of us sometimes we're stuck in certain loops in life. We really feel like we can't break out of things. We dig our own grave sometimes. That's uh, that's a sad thing. And then suddenly something opens up. A door opens up. Sometimes it could be nothing more than somebody recommended a yoga class for you. And you're like, you know what? I just met a guy named Aaron who's in my men's yoga class, what I call MOGA. And he, uh, he, he told me, he said to me, I was walking around like this for, for years and I kept trying to straighten myself up. And, you know, I found this class and now, uh, you know, I'm straightened out again. I just mean to say sometimes something opens up in life, an opportunity. You meet somebody, a new friend, a mate. A new way. You read a book that helped you break through. And uh, speaking of books to break through, I really believe that if you want one book and you want a shortened version of it all about what life is all about, just read the Torah portion of Akiv. The Torah portion of Akiv that we're going to talk about, that's the one. That's the one. You, you need to, if you want to know who, who are you and who is God and what he wants from you and how you should think about him, that's the shortened version. God bless. What's that? So it's pretty jam-packed, yeah. Jam-packed, and and I and I say this with the utmost respect to everybody from the from Rabbi Akiva to the Rambam to the Lubavitcher Rebbe. They're all amazing. But if I you want, they, they would all agree with you. You should start with that, Kev. Right. Just just read read this Torah portion. But before we get to the, that Torah portion, um, by the way, Alice Gross says planning to come for a long time. She's davening to make it a reality to come back to the land of Israel. And she says, remember when you were here in Baltimore? Boy, that was many years ago. And the rabbi that I was with in Baltimore is a rabbi that we both know, uh, Rabbi Elon and Rebetzin Rivka uh, Adler. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, uh, who lived today in Gush Etzion. That's where I was in Baltimore many years ago. Listen, before we go on to the Torah portion, I just want to talk to you about an amazing story that's happening right now. And that is the story that here's the New York Times headline. In a moment of, tri- the first paragraph, in a moment of triumph that Indi- India's Hindu nationalists had worked towards for years, Prime Minister Modi on Wednesday set the ceremonial cornerstone for a Hindu temple on the site of a destroyed mosque in Ayodhya. Ay- Ay- okay? So... <laughs> So the Prime Minister of, of, of India is going to br- uh, be putting up a big Hindu um, temple on the site of a, of, a, of a former mosque, which was destroyed in the 90s by Hindu nationalists. Which, as far as I know, by the way, itself was built on top of a Hindu sacred site. I'm right. not certain on that, but I'm, I'm, I'm fairly sure that that is the case. I mean, you got to remember, there's... Always more layers to the story. It, 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 it literally, right? Physically, literally, and 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 and, uh, and narratively. Um, of course, this is very, very reminiscent of stuff that's happening in our region. Let's just recall a similar phenomenon that's happening in Turkey, not so far away from us, in the famous Hagia Sophia Church, uh, built by the Byzantines. A beautiful, one of the really one of the world's greatest structures, uh, and. Uh, has been uh, th- from the time of Ataturk has remained like a museum, uh, yes, and, not like and a museum. It has been a museum, right? A museum, right? In a museum status, but now uh, Recep Tayyip Erdogan 
who is the, the the head of Turkey, he has kind of changed the status and also has put some flags on it and, and put Muslim uh, features into it and is now turning it into an active mosque as well. I don't think they're killing necessarily immediately the the museum, the church museum aspect of it, but turning it into a, a mosque, an, a, a, an active mosque. I have been to Turkey and the Constantinople aspect of, of Istanbul is completely erased. You you barely ever see ever anything. The yeah. Capital of, of Eastern Christianity. Right. You'll never know that. You, you'll never know that it existed like that for centuries. Um, and so so that's that's an interesting story. And of course, we also have our Temple Mount in Jerusalem, which is the home of two Jewish temples. Then later on became uh, a site of a Roman uh, a cultic site. A, a temple to Zeus. Uh, a temple to Zeus. Actually, I think to Jupiter. Jupiter, sorry. Right. But similar, as, as I was Same. taught. Same, they just changed his name. Right. As I was taught uh, by, by Dr. Feldman uh, in Yeshiva University, Jupiter is Zeus Pater. Zeus is the father. That's what he taught us. Uh, in any case, in any case, n- now uh, and after that, it became uh, at different times. Uh, sometimes it was a, a church. church. The Al-Aqsa Mosque began as a church, like the Hagia Sophia. Right, and at other points became, or or, or, or at the different different times of history had church, had different church mosque. church mosque, church mosque, and today it is a mosque. And now we're back, the Jews. And we're clamoring and yearning for a temple in Jerusalem. Well, and there are, a few of us are. Some of us are clamoring for a temple in Jerusalem. If the New York Times would be uh, a New York Times article would be written, it would say Jewish nationalists, crazy you know, Jews, want to murder goats on site of mosque. <laughs> crazy Jews. <laughs> wait, I got it better. Crazy Jews abuse animals. Wait, don't forget. Crazy apartheid Jews occupation occupation nationalists facilitates crazy nationalist Jews torturing animals on Muslim sites. There we go. We got it. (laughs) Send in the editorial now. Sorry. (laughs) I I have to tell you uh, this, this Modi story is um, I want to look more into it, uh, but, but it is definitely indicative uh, of the, uh, of the, of the tensions between Islam and and Hinduism in India, Indian Indian nationalist Hinduism, uh, and right, right. It's a long story, which at at some point, by the way, let's not forget, also caused a humongous millions and millions of people of population transfer into the split between estimates India and Pakistan. Mm-hmm. So um, it was it was a humongous oh, thing, hundreds of thousands of deaths. Well, maybe that might be an exaggeration in actual death, but was wrapped up with massive destruction and war. It was not a, right. uh, you, you know, you know, cause like the post um, World War II transfer of, of, of German speaking non-German nationals out of Eastern Europe was, was a little bit more peaceful. It wasn't quite the same explosion, but of course that came after World War II. So in all fairness, you know, <laughs> they kind of got it out of their system first. But but let's let's get to the point here, which is we have we have a, a country which is claiming that this is their religious spot, and they're willing to build a, a Hindu temple on what they consider a Hindu holy site. Um, well, first um, they had riots and destroyed the mosque. Meaning, meaning, don't miss that there's a um, a pattern of relationship there, which is like one of the archetypes that's studied in in sort of conflict and peace 
sort of studies. I when I was at Tufts in grad school, looked at the model of Muslim Hindu relations and the um, periodic riots around these very sites, and how they follow a very specific pattern and it, very violent. But it, it all comes down to basically um, whose holy site is it really? Right now, if we were if we were like a regular the Jews, the Israelis would be like a regular Middle Eastern people. Once we would conquer the Temple Mount, what we would do is we would get rid of that mosque and put in our temple and say, "Hey, you you put your temple on our mosque. You suggested that that we were a defeated religion by putting your uh, important site on, on our important site, and thereby uh, basically <laughs> you basically you basically de- defeated us and defeated." defeated the God of Israel by the God of the Quran, the God of, 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 uh, of Muhammad. Okay. I'm, I'm talking, I'm talking in middle, I'm talking in middle East talk. But it's actually important to remember that, that actually in many ways, they, they saved the site from absolute desecration and, and, um, and destruction because the Christians had turned it into a trash heap. It was the Muslims that revived it as a holy site. So it's, it's, it's not as simple as what you're saying, I think. Because remember that our vision is Beiti Beiti Lai Kray the Me. Right? So the fact that the Muslims find sanctity in this site is itself both problematic and important. Right. And I, I agree with you. I was talking, I said, if we were a regular Middle Eastern people, that's the way we would react. That's that's the normal way. By the way, I just want to mention that uh, that a, a commenter right now on our live stream, Binyamin, says, speaking of Turkey, I highly suggest watching The Last Ottoman on Netflix. It's a great documentary war film that tells the story of the fall of Constantinople due to the Ottoman Empire. Or at, at the hands of the Ottoman Empire and Mehmet the Conqueror. Okay, that's yeah. just a piece of information that, that's useful. In any case, I, I think that's an, it's an interesting story in India. And India has today a pretty tight relationship with Israel. Uh, we share a lot of things. One, we share a, a kind of uh, ancient peoples. That's one aspect. Another ancient one, <laughs> an ancient people thing. That's right. I think there should be an ancient people club. I really do. I think we should really uh, constantly be be talking about ancient peoples. White as man a, need not apply. <laughs> <laughs> or you know, if you go back to your uh, you know ancient place, like if you're some kind of you know uh, Viking Old conqueror only. <laughs> okay, and then so, welcome. Sorry. That's right. Like you, you, ha- you have to feel yourself an ancient people. Uh, that's one, uh, and two is a love for technology, and three a problem with. Uh, Islam as a as a factor, a political factor in in their lives. If you, you speak for there, what's my fourth one? Arms industry. Arms <laughs> industry. That's right. By the way, there's another one. There's another one. There's also another one. There's a fifth one, which is which is Israelis simply like India oh, yeah, because yeah, of yeah. Indian spirituality, spiritual vibe thing for sure. Not just Israelis, Jews in general. I mean. I don't know what the percentage is, but there's a large chunk of Buddhists in the United States that are that are American Jews. Uh, that that's right, and we have uh, we have even a concept in Judaism called Jubus, right? That's uh, Jews that just have a, a tendency and an interest in in, in Buddhism and in just an Eastern thinking. Right. I myself I myself count myself amongst people who have an interest. Uh, in in Eastern stuff, I, I don't I don't uh, I don't deny that I mean, it, it informs my Judaism. It informs my Judaism. Speaking of uh, my Judaism, which is a term I don't like so much. I know. Uh, I was yeah, a little yeah, shocked. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, right, because, because because we do we do we do uh, uh, um, 
we do shape the way our subjective eyes shape uh, the way we understand things. But there's a difference between being within the box and outside the box. I think that's uh, uh, yeah, true. And what I find is there's even more profound difference when you accept the fact that you're just doing it the way you want to because that's how you want. And when you try to sort of justify that by making ideological arguments about how that's the way it's supposed to be. You know what I mean? Like, I don't have any problems if someone wants to say, this is how I do my Judaism. Okay, I may agree, I may not agree. But don't then tell me, but, and this is the authentic version. Right. Oh, sorry, That's folks. Right. That's right. I, I've, I've dubbed the inauthentic effort to, to, to uh, what's the word, culturally appropriate Judaism. I, dub, I call that hashtag my Judaism. That's when I say that, that this Judaism is Judaism. And what you're pointing out is, no, don't culturally appropriate. By the way, do you ever notice that the people who use terms like cultural appropriation are the number one cultural appropriators? Do you ever notice that? I, I've always surprised that, that, that sometimes the so-called left will be the um, greatest example of the things that they preach against. Well, I mean, certainly, I'll tell you this, is that the one culture that's been completely okay to appropriate since the first century of the common era is Judaism. Right. Isn't that weird? Our, our culture is up for grabs. You go ahead and try to reclaim the word ghetto. <laughs> go okay. All right. Let's, let's, let's go to the Torah portion of Ekev, which is chapter 8 in <clears throat> the book of Deuteronomy, book of Dvarim. <clears throat> Excuse me. I'll start with verse number 3. Well, you want to um, give a chapter on that or just... What's that? You want to give a chapter on that for people? Chapter, or just eight, chapter, eight, chapter 8, verse number 3. Um, Skip the whole first chapter, dude. Oh, it's my favorite Yeah, I, there's a lot of great stuff, but I really... I, so I'll, many, let it go. I'll let it go. And even, I'll even skip part of this verse and just go to... Leman hodiacha. God will inform you. Ki lo alalechem levado adam. For not on bread alone shall man live. Rather, rather all that, that comes from the mouth of God shall man live. This, this has become a kind of um, idiom in, in, in Israel and the Jewish people. Uh, man doesn't live by bread alone. It's not just sustenance. It's not just like give me shelter and give me sustenance. There's more to that. And, and, and the, the way the verse wants to say it is, it's what God is, um, uh, God, God is, is putting out into this world. But another way to understand it is, is meaning. Man needs meaning. Man needs more than, than – than, he's not just an animal that needs to eat at, at the end. And that's why the word Adam is there. A human being needs more. Maybe an animal can suffice with sustenance. But there's more that, that a person needs, and it's going to come from God. It's not going to come from science. It's not going to come from, from uh, you know, alternative my, my Judaism religions. It's going to come from the word of God. Well, I mean, there's two things there. First of all, the second part first, um, when it says, uh, is that it can come from science. It can come from all kinds of stuff as long as one sees that it, every, all that stuff that you're recognizing is motzat piyashem. Mm-hmm. The, 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 of course, physics and uh, and Buddhism and uh, I don't know New Age philosophy all come from God. It's if if you recognize them as such, then they can connect to the other half, which is that this isn't just a, a distinction being made between sort of like bare bones life and a life of purpose and meaning. This is an argument for what the definition of life is. Life is not sustenance. If you want to be alive, then the, the primary frame for actually living is recognizing everything comes from God. 
And that enters you into a different category, which it, we can see it, by the way, throughout the volume. I'm not, because I don't have the verses at my fingertips, I'm not going to drag you through it, but but I can promise you, you can demonstrate and keep your eye out as you read further in the volume, that there are, it's oftentimes that God is called life. There are places where, where, where this is put forward, as we're yeah. seeing here, that there is a different thing. The people who, who think that what life is is the sort of sustenance orientation, not those, by the way, who are forced into that by their circumstance. That's a very important part of this context. The context here is that God sustained us in the wilderness with mana, meaning well, it's not a poverty. That's not my point. Yes, you can, God forbid, be forced into knowing that life means having enough calories to put in your mouth. But, but if that's not the case and God is providing for you, then the challenge is do you know what life is? completely different definition being put forward well that that dovetails beautifully with verse chapter 8 verse 10 very famous verse v'achalta you shall eat v'savata you shall be satiated u'berachta et Hashem elokecha and bless Hashem your God al ha'aretz ha'tova asher natan lach on the good land which he has given you um, I think there's a I think it's a double entendre there which is you could bless him for the good land that he has given you, or bless him on as you are sitting on the good land that is given you. Uh, the halachic meaning of the verse is that you have to, after eating bread, after having a meal, you have to take the time to actually thank God uh, and, and actively do that. And the, the rabbis tell us this is a, as we say, mitzvah doraita. It's a, it's a positive Torah-based commandment um, to bless God after being satiated, after eating a real meal. Uh, but but it's also exactly what you just said, which is, you know, it's like you ate the you ate the food. Again, you're not just it's not about just sustenance. Okay, look at me, I'm an animal here. I found something to eat. No, 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 no. By the way, bread is also not something that is found in nature in a raw form. You have to create it. You have to bring it out. It's got to be refined. It's got to be baked. Uh, what's the word? Uh, crushed. The, the the wheat has to. Well, before that, it has to turn into flour. Ground. ground sifted, baked, the, the whole spiel, the whole shebang. Well, food pot, if you learn the Mishnah, right? It's, it's, it, bread is a beautiful thing. By the way, I, I've mentioned this to you before. Um, re- recently, I'm, I'm not like a big foodie. Just, just not a big foodie. That's just not my thing. Although, like anybody else, I enjoy good food. It just, sure, yeah. it's, I it's not something I, I don't I think too much about it. But, but recently, I, 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 there's, there's a, a store here in Gush Etzion called Pat Bemelach, which, which is a bakery, and they have, like, really excellent bread, like good, 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 good bread, like, with stuff in it, you know, like, a, I like rye, you know, good bread. When you eat that stuff, you're like, wow, this is bread. This is what we're talking about here. There's no wonder bread here, yeah. yeah right. Yeah. It's not, you know, and then you're like, oh, I get what, what the, why the Bible's talking so much about it. But anyway, you eat, you're satiated, and this is something that every Gentile, non-Jew that's listening to this program, every person, can, can accept into their heart. You know, if you have the formula of Orthodox Judaism, how, what we say after eating bread, or if you don't, anybody that's listening to this program can understand that when you're satiated and you could easily just be like, oh, look at me, I just loosen your belt, mm, that was great. You take a second and you thank God for the gift of being satiated, of being protected, of living in a good land, which is this beautiful earth, and certainly if you have the merit to live in, in the land of Israel, it's like, take that moment to really be thankful. You know, and, just like you and, want your children to be thankful when, when you do good to them. 
it's a decisive moment in life. I mean, looking forward is assume you want to do it, what the consequences of the alternative are. It's nothing that you want. I mean, I want to, you know, the, the piece you said, that God brings, uh, you know, bread forth from the land, but bread doesn't occur naturally. You see how it links directly with kol moti pi Hashem, right? That you have to understand, of course, God doesn't bring loaves of rye bread out of the ground. But if, but you have to recognize that when you pick up that rye bread, that that's a product of God. Right. Everything along the way. Right. If, that, you, if you do not, you you risk the danger of the next couple of verses, right? If you look right after the verse you read, Shamelcha, right? You take be careful lest you forget God and you don't keep the laws. Because if you if you if you're not careful and forget God and you don't keep the laws, when you eat, all that will happen is you'll be satisfied. Well, why? It's not bad, right? Give me a That's what you know. Right? Because if you eat and you're satisfied and you don't bless. Oy avoid because what will happen is you'll you'll turn to praise the only other option you have, which is yourself, and that leads into you know the the a few about ten verses later, right? It's my power and the strength of my hand that gave me all this wealth and greatness, which is the exact opposite of life. That is the exact opposite of what God wants from us in the mm-hmm. world. Right, and and very importantly, this does not mean that God wants us to be disempowered and to say. It's all you. It's all you. No, he says, he says, appreciate your strength. If you have strength, great. But then just see that that strength that I've given you, the eyeballs moving in your head, your brain working, your heart's pumping, you're living in the good land. That's for me. So if you've got strength, it's because I've given you that strength. So you say, God, give me strength, and I will honor the fact that you have given me uh, yeah. that's right. I mean, this is the opposite of religious fatalism, like you're saying, of like, you right. know, everything's in the hand of God. If you look carefully at verse 18, the opposite of Kohi of this sort of claiming of all the power to yourself is Notice the Shikha This is about a forgetting or a remembering. It's not informational. It's what world do you live in? What's the frame of reference? You should remember He gives you strength to make that wealth and might. It doesn't say he gives you the might or the wealth itself. He gave you the strength to do it. This is a partnership model. Right. In which you can only succeed. The achalta of Zavata only really works if you have the Birachta. If you're gonna eat and be satisfied, you have to bless. Otherwise it you know, ends up being a curse and choking your throat. I want to tell you that I have a different kavanot. How do we call kavanot in English? Intentions or focuses. Okay. Alignment. Uh, when I say the Friday night, when I say the bracha on the, the blessing on the bread, so I have a few other thoughts about that. I say, uh, it's from the word, I, I, I change it to the word milchama, like lacham, a war. He, uh, in the end of times, Hashem, when we bless him, will bring war away from, Take it out of the world. He will take the milchama out from this world. And we bless him for a time of peace. Because remember, you said something a second ago, which is bread doesn't come right from the tree. But in a messianic vision that that is in the Midrashim, then bread, gluskaot, bagels, will come right from the tree immediately. Danish. Danish Danish is, of course, a scone. Okay. You know, uh, a a croissant. Um, But the point is, is that there will be a time where there'll be no war. So Friday night, I like to think of he'll take he'll take the war out of this world in a messianic vision. And another one related to that, uh, lechem is also the same uh, letters as chalom. 
So, which is a dream. So I say, who he brings dreams, dreams come true. He makes, he makes the great dreams that come from the, from the earth, like Emet like a great vision comes from the earth and he makes those, he, he takes them out of the great dreams that are somewhere hidden in our nature and, and, uh, and miraculous ideas that are already embedded in nature and will bring them forth one day. Little thoughts about it. Okay. However, Let's go to a completely different type of uh, uh, feeling. Yeah, something completely different. Right? Chapter 9, verse 5. I'm there. And by the way, I am skipping fabulous verses. Please, ladies and gentlemen, please. Please, I'm telling you, about God, he says, It's not because you, it's because you are so righteous or your heart is so straight that you are getting to inherit their land. Rather, it is because these Gentiles that were living in the land were, were iniquitous. Yes. Ooh, wicked. They were wicked. He's, he's, he is dispossessing them. Mipanecha, God is dispossessing, dispossessing them from before you. Why? Uleman hekim et adavar, and therefore he will fulfill the thing. Asher nishba Hashem lavotecha, he'll fulfill the oath that he swore to your forefathers, laAvraham litzchak liYaakov. And it goes on to say, just so you know, you are an amkshe oref, you are a stiff-necked people. And then it goes on to a litany list of the times that you angered God. So yeah. this this is a different tack, which we haven't really heard that much, but it's like, I'm bringing you to a good land, but just remember, you're not so wonderful. It's, yes, it's you know. It's not about you people. Right, it's <laughs> not about you, and you, in fact, aren't as wonderful as you think. You've actually angered God many times. Uh, and, then, and then he goes on to tell the story of the uh, golden calf or the, you know, Merrill Lynch bull. Uh, he will he'll go off and he'll tell you the, the the long story of that. But the point is is that a you're not so great. You're stiff necked. Here's the list. B the nations that were before you in the land of Israel they were very wicked. And C he made a promise to your forefathers. And yep. so there's other things happening, not just your righteousness. There's an unspoken D in that as well that we've talked about before, which is in, and therefore recognize that. You don't keep my laws, you'll be next. Right. And that's the warning I see in the juxtaposition between this statement and the story of the golden calf, which is that what's the wickedness that they're being chased out for? It's it's idolatry and licentiousness. What happened at the golden calf? Idolatry and licentiousness. It's like, folks, it, this is this is not yours by intrinsic right. It's true there's a promise, therefore, as we know in our history, I kick you out, you'll come back. But don't kid yourselves. I will kick you out. Right, and we have many. We have verses that 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 say just that. Uh, and indeed, he did. <laughs> so it's a fact. It is a fact. It's a fact. It's a fact. Um, let's go to chapter ten, verse twelve. This That's is this cool. is this is a great verse. On the one hand, very meaningful. On the other hand, a little bit funny. A little bit funny, and I'll explain what I mean. A holy kind of funny, not a not a cynical kind of funny. Uh, chapter ten, verse twelve, book of Deuteronomy. Vata Israel, and now this is with an ein, and now Israel. 
מה השם אלוקיך שואל מעמך, מעמך? What is Hashem your God asking from you? Nothing but, כי אם, לירעת השם אלוקיך, just to fear God, Hashem your God, ללכת בכל דרכיו, walk in all of his paths, לאהבה אותו, to love him, ולעבוד את השם אלוקיך, and to serve Hashem your God, בכל לבך ובכל נפשך. Come on. To serve Hashem your God with all of your heart, with all of your soul. That's it. That's it. I'm not, I'm not asking oh. that much, just total commitment. Okay? Absolute devotion, nothing else. <laughs> It's, it's not so tricky, people, okay? That's all I'm asking you for here. Now, the reason that's a little bit funny is because the, the I don't know the fancy linguistic term for the type of phrase this is in terms of language, like an intra, whatever it is. The, the, like I'm, it's a, there's, there's a, a, it's written as a question mark. What's it called um, when you ask a question? It's a rhetorical question, but the way that the phrase is, is done is is it's saying to you like what am I what am I asking you and then it's going to fulfill the it's going to give the answer. The humor in that is that it sounds like like a kind of Jewishy question like what am I already asking you? What am I asking you? Right? Oh, I, mean, it's not, I, get, I get no respect, no respect. You know that's the kind of thing. But like on the on the other hand, the 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 um, the the formula is quite demanding. Wow, quite quite demanding. So obviously the question isn't isn't that small. Uh, I, I want before I give you a chance to answer that, which I think is a very important question. Uh, my my simple answer is actually there is something of great simplicity and relief here. If you know that your life is dedicated to God in toto, it actually does simplify a lot. It does simplify a lot. It, it, it's it's actually for me when I read these type of verses, I actually exhale. Because I realize it's not about my ambition. It's not about a million things. It's really about service of God. That's what I have to do. If I feel a certain inclination, I have to judge it as against that. Basically, it's a kind of like yardstick that exists with you throughout your life. And you know what you got to do. So in some place there, it is actually a great relief. Yeah, I, I agree with you. I would add a couple of small thoughts. One is that you know, we have this phrase that the sages um say that uh, that everything's in the hands of God except for the awe or, or fear of God. Um, so that's part of what's being said here, which is like the truth of the matter is you don't control anything, says God. It's like you want to do this, you want to do that, you want to conquer cities, you want to make money, you want to raise a family, you want to stay healthy. So God says, I, like, yeah, that, that's not how it works. That's me. You know what you can do, though? You can decide what's important to you. Mm-hmm. Right, one of the ways it manifests itself is how do you receive everything I give you? Says God. Right, and this is a truism I can tell you from counseling in various contexts for many years. I, for me, it was always associated with the work I did with at-risk youth in the, in the wilderness therapy. Is that the only thing you can control in life is how you receive what happens to you. Everything else you can struggle with, you can be a partner in, but you can't control it. But you can control how you receive that which happens to you. And I think that's a big piece of what's being said here. Um. Like, meaning the only thing God can really ask of you mm. is these things. Because otherwise, everything comes from God. Right? And, and the other piece here in the sort of narrative flow is, is, um, is uh, it's a very important assertion that this is possible. That it is possible. That, right. that you it's- know, 
and and and, and the and the Rambam will ask that question, like, how do you love God? Like, how is it possible to cleave onto God to love God? It's actually a a, a philosophical problem. But the bottom line is, as you just pointed out, yes, it is possible. God tells you, you can love me. I let you love me. That's 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 a great gift. Uh, before before we go on, I just want to mention. Uh, I want to say shalom to Barbara Rubin who writes to me a lot, and I want to really bless her with a lot of success. She's a very smart lady, a very capable lady, and she's right now uh, on Facebook. And I just want to say, Barbara, God bless you, and thank you so much for all your good letters, and I want to wish yeah. you a lot of continued strength. Um, yeah. Speaking of love, today, as we said, is Jewish reunification, but 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 the nation knows it as Jewish Love Day. One of the great things that I love about Tuba'av, uh, other than the fact that I myself got married on Tuba'av 18 years ago, in Hebron around this hour, um, a little bit later. But uh, it's one of the things that I love about it is that Israeli people know this date, and that's very uh, knowing the Jewish calendar. It's a very important thing. And and yesterday at Shuk Machane Yehuda, uh, it was being celebrated in Jerusalem to Bav, even with COVID restrictions. So that's very special. And um, it's interesting that in our Torah portion, we actually have two commandments to love. Uh, maybe even more, but right here it says, Love the proselyte, the convert, or, or maybe the stranger, uh, because you were strangers in the land of Egypt. And I know that, that folks on the liberal side of the aisle really feel this verse very strongly. I taught at Temple Emmanuel in Manhattan. I remember there was a long line of homeless people on Sunday morning uh, there to receive um, food basket, and that was something that the Reformed Jews uh, against took very, very seriously to love the stranger. And I always thought that was a beautiful thing. Uh, but that's one of the loves. And certainly, we're also taught uh, that if somebody's a convert, don't remind them so much that they're coming from the outside. Uh, treat them, treat them especially good because they're really outsiders, and therefore, get, try to give them a sense that they're in and not out. And I know that that if we, all of us that have friends converts try very hard to uh, to treat them well, uh, and not only converts but strangers that respect and love Israel, Arabs uh, who live in our land and respect our sovereignty, I way to treat them with decency extra, um, and that's important. And a few verses later it says, Hashem love Hashem your God, keep His commandments, keep His." Uh, Mishmarto, how how do we translate Mishmarto? His um, stay out of his watch, you know, stay his watch. Team, you know, like yeah, I like that. That's a beautiful. That's a beautiful turn of the phrase. Veshamarta Mishmarto. I like that. I never kind of said Veshamarta Mishmarto. Stay on his watch. The chukav Mishpatav, his his edicts, his 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 judgments and his commandments. Kol Hayamim, all the days, all the days. Uh, so Hashem says, just like you said before. Shem says to us, uh, "You can love." Yep. There's one. There's, there's one beautiful insight. The, the Rambam asked the question, "Why do you need a special mitzvah to love the ger?" Because once, mm -hmm. once uh, in his reading, this is a convert, which is the standard reading of the sages. Even though in context you're correct, it could also be read as read as the stranger, which is important reading. But because he says, "Wait, once you once the person converts, so they become a Jew, so they fall under the hafdalarecha so one answer is, is I think, fairly obvious sociologically, and it 
needs to be taken to heart that a person who becomes a convert comes without all the social fabric and the and the um sort of like back up the family etc you know they and enters into a community and therefore they need an extra dose of love which is a very important thing to remember it's a quite a complex world out there for for Jews of choice but there's a deeper level i think in what he says is that um that there's these because Ram says you should love him like you love god as opposed to loving like you love right why because the only human being who really creates something out of nothing which is truly the divine aspect is a person who goes from being a non-jew to being a jew because they create a new obligation in the world mm-hmm. the acceptance of votes that happens when a person chooses to become part of am Yisrael creates a completely new opportunity to serve god in the universe mm-hmm. and that is not a small thing so, so um, I think that that's like a nuance. And when the Ram says specifically, you should love them like you love God, as opposed to loving like like you love all Jews, is I think what he's pointing toward is that it's it's a fantastic um, human capacity that's being expressed in the creation of that new relationship and the and the obligations that come with it. So um, Andrea says, "Don't forget all of us Bnei Israel over here without our people, people in the exiles." She says, "We are the exiles. Love us too." We are very lonely, she writes. Uh, that's powerful. Yeah, no, for sure. Mamish. And I know then, I can't speak for you, although I probably can. Is that one of the reasons that we're always broadcasting is because that's the best way to reach you. That's a great point, Rabbi Mike. Uh, Rabbi Mike, great point. That's really why why we're doing this. You're, you're so right. Uh, and Benjamin writes, I'll always be proud that my mother is a convert to Judaism so that I can be born as a Jew. Her choice is one of the biggest blessings in life. Beautiful, beautiful, beautiful phrase. And by the way, same thing related to that is is when people make Aliyah. How many children have I met that say, I am so thankful to my parents that they made the hard decision to come to the land of Israel and they did that for me and so I could born and live my life here. Speaking of the land of Israel, let's go. uh, This is, there's a few different Torah portions that compete for most Zionistic. This is one of them for sure. This is one of them. Uh, and it says, um, it says, um, uh, chapter 11, verse 10, for the land that you are coming to there to inherit. It's not like Egypt, which you left Egypt. There, when you plant a seed there, you, you, can, you can water it with your feet, which means to say you can make a little ditch from the Nile River, and the water comes, and it just, you know, it's easy to get the water. Eretz Yisrael is different. Verse, verse 11, The land which you are coming into, you are passing over into to inherit it, Eretz Harimu Bka'ot. It's a land of hills and valleys. The, the land will drink from the rains of heaven. Keeps going. Wait, you know what? I'll stop Wait, there for a second. I want to point out that there's two readings to what you just said. There's a reading which says in, in Egypt it was easy because all you do is like kick outside a little bit of dirt, like you said, and the water just flowed from the Nile. And the contrast there is that there's a blessing in the difficulty of Eretz Israel because it's depending upon the rain. You, you have to daven instead of just having it like the, the easy life. There's a flip side with Rashi brings, which is that in Egypt, you had to go down the Nile and schlep water by foot. Here mm-hmm. in Israel, you go to bed, it rains, you wake up, your fields are growing. So it's mm-hmm. in, in 
in many ways, it really expresses those two sides of the experience, which is always available in a life of divine service in general, but particularly the embodied divine service, which is living in the land of Israel. It cuts both ways. And a lot of it depends on how you look at it. Is It was the good life back there, and I'm like forced to uh, depend on God for my prayers. There's a benefit. Or is is the good life here? And like, oh, thank God I got away from that toil. You know? <laughs> fabulous. It's a, it's a fabulous dichotomy, and I think it's, it's very, very real. Uh, and I think that dichotomy is also pointed out to by the phrase, a land of hills and valleys. Mm-hmm. That in itself is, it, it says to you, there's dichotomies in the land of Israel. Oh, it's up and dichotomous down. Existence. Right. It's it ups is- and downs. That's what I tell people. I said that verse means hold on to God and up and down. Okay. Because it'll take you up sometimes and you'll be in the highest heights. You'll also be in the lowest lows. Uh, as we say in the Gemara, Mi garama labira mikta, like from a high place to a very low place. And and uh, and so that's that's the land of Israel, and it's giving you a clue about it. Let's go to the last verse that I wanted to touch on today, uh, chapter eleven, uh, Yud Aleph, Perik Yud Aleph, Pasuk Yud Bet, Parshat Ekev, chapter eleven, verse twelve, Torah portion of Ekev, Eretz Asher Hashem Elokecha Doresh Ota Tamid, no. land. Was that? Sorry, Eretz Asher Hashem Elokecha Doresh. Oh. Right, that's right, that's right. I, I make that mistake every year. I make that mistake every year, and I know it. But every year, I'm like, oh, that's what I mean, because it's like, here it is. Hashem doresh ota, tamid Hashem ba. Right? Yeah. Right. Every year, I make that mistake. Mireshit hashana shana. A land which Hashem, which Hashem, your God, doresh uh, ota, demands of it, studies it, looks well, to it. I- yeah, that's the same dichotomy. Doresh could be demands. I'm asking you to right. do this. But it's also right. it's land that God is seeking. Right. I mean, there's an active engagement. God demands something from the land, but there's also an active engagement by God, which is, of course, both sides of what we've been speaking about. Right. Right. So he demands of it, but Rashi will say, to see what the land needs. And to... And to Looking after it, he's liking it, looking out for it. But in any case, me uh, and the, the Lubavitcher Rebbe always talked about this from the beginning of the year to the end of the year. Balaturim here says, Let me find it here. Otiot mitishrei, mireshit. It's mitishrei. Okay. Oh, by the way, I keep I, I wanted to say this last week. Ve'ahavta. Uh, the Balaturim says, love Hashem. He goes ve'ahavta. Same letter says ha'avot. The forefathers and mothers. That's what he says. He nice. says, walk in, the, in their pathways. They knew how to love. They knew to love Hashem. Listen, um, Rabbi Mike, I want to finish off the show. Uh, I want people first thing to join you on your other program, which is called uh, The Jewish Story. And you can find it at jewishstory.co. Uh, That's right. Uh, season four starting reach- not next week, but the week after. Picking up season four. But you know what, folks? Don't worry about when Rabbi Mike is starting the next season. You got plenty of seasons to catch up on. Don't worry about it. Check out his website, JewishStory.co. Oh, he teaches the Pardes Institute uh, and also his spirit counseling. That's JewishStory.co. Uh, Facebook.com forward slash Rav Mike Foyer or Rav Mike at TheLandOfIsrael.com. There you go. And, 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 and many other ways, but easy enough to, to, to find it all at jewishstory.co. Uh, I want to also mention, you know what, you know what, with that, I will, I will let you go. And I'll also mention some 
some of our in a second rabbi mike foyer i want to thank you so much for being with us i want to wish you Always a have a day of of reconnection amen 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 reconnection with jerusalem reconnection with the torah reconnection with with hashem reconnection with our spouses reconnection with ourselves uh reconnection with with our souls you know bring a better connection between our body and our soul uh and between the things that we really you know oh and you know what else just just one last thought with you there's a border i've learned this in hasidic teachings there's a border between our mind and our heart yeah sometimes we come to conclusions with our mind but it's hard for us to down to the heart and to really change the ways that we behave and so just like the the borders between jerusalem and the jewish people were removed so too there should be a removal between our just our higher thoughts but they should be able to come into action into a change in our characteristics uh, in our heart and that's that's another aspect of of really reconnecting which is which is faith and to really to our character uh, maybe uh, refine our character. Rabbi Mike Ford, thank you. Rabbi Mike Ford, thank you so much for joining us again today. Thanks. See you soon. Bye bye. All right, that was Rav Mike. And just just as you were, we started getting bad connection with you. I'm still here. You're still. God bless you, Rabbi Mike. Thank you so much for being with us. All right, folks, and I just want to finish off the show by talking about some of our friends uh, that make the show possible. Uh, and those are folks at Tchelet, right? And my good friend, Pinchas, uh, out in Tinek, just got his Tchelet, and he went to Tchelet.com. He, he wrote in coupon code Yishai and got the percentage points off. And what a schud it is for me to give you some percentage points off, some, some cost off to get this incredible mitzvah. You will love it. Don't miss it. Go to Tchelet.com and order your tzitzit uh, with blue string. Uh, be a true blue Jew, coupon code Yishai. Uh, check out hebronfund.org. We are so proud to be the home of the original couples, the mothers and the fathers, who are the original in-lovers, okay, uh, who gave birth to a family which became a nation, the nation of Israel. That happens at Hebron. Check out hebronfund.org. Of course, support us and visit us any which way you can. Check out our Facebook page. Check out our, our lively, lively content that helps you uh, connect to the story of Hebron. And we have our new sponsor, which is Israel Wines, israelwines.com, coupon code Yishai. You get 10% off of having a wine from Eretz Israel, even during Corona. It's coming to you, so please check it out. Uh, Israel Wines, israelwines.com, coupon code Yishai. And with no coupon code, and just check it out, Nefesh Benefesh, uh, nbn.org.il will help you make Aliyah to the land of Israel. Download their forms, start filling it out. Don't worry about it if you can't do it now. At least get the dream rolling. Get, get, it, get it moving in the right direction. And that is nbn.org.il. And, of course, help me keep broadcasting. Help me keep the show uh, wide, spread out to the world, and free. Uh, and connect to us by going to yishaifleischer.com forward slash donate. And right now we have a very special find. We found 500 of these amazing CDs that I made years ago with the best Aliyah songs, um, um, best artists, best songs. Best. It'll, it'll change your life when it's in your car, when it's in your life. So please write to me, uh, yishai at yishaifleischer.com or yishai at the land of Israel.com. Uh, ask me for the CD or just go to yishaifleischer.com forward slash donate. 
Uh, make sure that we can cover the cost of sending you the CD and continue our operations, and I will send it out to you ASAP. My good friend Yocheved will get it out to you ASAP uh, all over the world. So please ask me for the Aliyah Revolution CD. I want to thank Moshe Herman. I want to thank Tabitha. I want to thank Ben Bresky for keeping this show rocking and getting out through the net waves to the world. Lots of love, and I'm sending you special blessings from the land of blessings on this Tu Bishvat. I'm sending, just joking, this Tu Be'av, the other side of the year from Tu Bishvat, this Tu Be'av, a holiday of, of, of reconnection and love, and also when Malka and I got married, so it's a special day of blessings for me to you. I want to thank all the folks uh, that joined us, including Penny, who says beautiful, including Andrea, including Alyssa, who says, uh, thankfully, my son is in Beitar, raising his children in Israel. Excuse me, not Alyssa, but Alice. Uh, that's right, Alice Mazaltov. That's so great that, that your son is here and raising his children not so far away from me here. Binyamin and all the other folks, Barbara, all the good folks that joined us from all over the world. Love to you and lots of blessings from the land of blessings. Stay tuned, stay connected, stay strong, stay part of the story, and shalom. Only the poem that sets the heart on fire, says Uri Tzvi Greenberg, is not a falsehood like all other achievements. Its truth is the only truth. And I'll tell you the truth. I'm here to try and tell you the truth as I see it, because I'm Rav Mike Foyer, and this is The Jewish Story. Join Rav Mike Foyer for the best Jewish history podcast, The Jewish Story. On the Land of Israel Network at thelandofisrael.com.